This is Daniel Self, lead pastor of the Orchard Church, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. Afterwards, if you would like and subscribe, or if you want more information on The Orchard or to support this ministry, find us at theorchardlife.com. Now know that we are praying for you today, that God would speak to you, and you would have a breakthrough. Thank you, Chad, and your team. Micah is on a much-needed vacation on the beach. And I'm just so grateful for what God is building at the orchard that we have people just, just stepping up to lead worship. And speaking of beaches, you might not recognize this shirt. You might recognize the logo, Love God, Love People, but it's in a different language today. And that is because tomorrow, my son and I leave with some elders and some of their sons to go to Vanuatu, where we have 12 orchard churches. And I would ask you to pray for us and for our safety. But also, we're not the only ones traveling. I saw the travel list of all the orchard pastors from different island groups and different islands around the area as they're traveling to meet. And we're all going to come together and pray that God does amazing work there in Vanuatu. And those are brothers and sisters and churches that... Um, you will worship with in heaven, but that you can pray for now, that God prepare their hearts, and you can pray for my wife as I take her son and we go overseas, and then we can bring us back safely. But we are looking forward to what God's going to do. And it leads into this question is, is, how far will God go to save one person? And how far did God go to save you, to offer salvation to you? You know, we're in this series on Exodus, and I, I was telling somebody earlier, you know, the, the book took 40 years, and so we can take as long as we want. But since I'm leaving and we're going to be gone for a few weeks, I wanted to look at Acts 8, the book of Acts in the New Testament. And Jesus has already declared his final, he's risen, and he's declared his final words to his followers. He said, go into all the world and, and tell them what you've seen. And baptize them and speak to them, disciple them. And the, the book of Acts is the detailed account of these followers who go forth and preach and proclaim Jesus in, in his life. And we're introduced in Acts 8 to a man named Philip, the evangelist. He's dedicated his life to spreading the word of God. It's called good news. Good news means gospel. You may have heard that word gospel. It means good news. And so Philip is spreading good news. And an angel comes to him and tells him to leave Jerusalem and go to a road leading south. And that's all he tells him. Now an angel comes to you and says, start walking south. Philip says, yes. And here's what's interesting about this is that God did not tell him the destination. He told him the next step of the path. And for many of you, you're waiting for God to tell you the final destination before you step out in faith. And sometimes he says, I'll just tell you the next step. And so Philip follows that. He begins walking south. He's, he's known as Philip the Evangelist. He's a powerful and gifted uh, disciple of Jesus who the Spirit is on him. And God takes him out of the big city and sends him on this desert road. Why? Philip has no idea. And so as Philip keeps walking in Acts 8, 27, it says, So he started out, and he came across the treasurer of Ethiopia, the person who's in charge of the entire treasury of the nation of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Queen Kandake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. We learn a few things. I'm going to open this up. I'm going to remember, I always say, don't just read the Bible. Put yourself in it. We have Philip on this desert road walking south, and he meets this gentleman who has a very interesting story already. He's from Ethiopia. He's a very important, very wealthy, a lot of power, a lot of authority. He's an official. He's in charge of the queen's treasury. And being in charge of her treasury meant that there were few people in all the nation who had the wealth he had and the power that he had as his disposal, his prestige. 
everything. The, the, the chariot he's in is not a Ben-Hur chariot. It has padding. It's, it, it, is, it is the best it, luxury, is, is as good as it gets back then. And so he's traveling to Jerusalem, sorry, leaving Jerusalem on the same road that uh, Philip is. Now we know he's in this powerful position, but what's the price? What's the price of this position? It says he's a eunuch, which means he has been castrated. And we would read this and go, that is so barbaric. And in those ancient cultures, this was much more common than we would ever want to admit. See, young boys who showed exceptional promise in areas of administration and leadership and mathematics in certain cultures were taken by the king or queen's officials and they were castrated, turned into eunuchs, and then schooled for jobs in the kingdom. And why was this happening? Why? And here's the belief that a eunuch would be much less tempted in the ways of the flesh to rebel in any way. They could have no offspring, so there would be no dynastic, no dynasty behind them to, for a coup or a rebel. The thought was they would be completely um, subservient to the king or the queen. It also was the thought that they were more subdued, more agreeable, less dangerous. And so sadly, as a young boy, this young man, this, this official, had shown that he was exceptional in mathematics or administration. This had been recognized. His proficiency was reported to the officials and at some point, he was taken from his mom and dad. They had no say in it. He had no say in it. He was led away, and as a young kid, uh, taken, and he was cut off from his family before him, and then cut off from having any family from him. He would have no descendants, his future that he would have chosen, taken from him, and then he was adopted and taken into the officials to be schooled. Uh, he must have felt absolutely helpless and violated and frightened as, as that young man. But from that traumatic moment, he had risen to be one of the most powerful people in the entire nation of Ethiopia. He had, his, his fortune was so vast, he could just take a month's journey and travel to Jerusalem. Why? It tells us. He wants to worship. He's in this chariot this of luxury, and he's got guards and the food and everything else he could ever need or imagine, and he's traveling. He tells us he's, he's worshiping in Jerusalem, which is interesting because as he's from Ethiopia, he's headed, he's headed to Jerusalem to go worship Yahweh, the God of Moses, the one who we're studying in, in Exodus. And so in verse 28, it says the eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from a scroll. It's the book of the prophet Isaiah. So we learn he'd already been to Jerusalem, and he was now returning home. Now, where in Jerusalem at this time do people go to worship Yahweh? They go to the temple. That is the, the epicenter of all worship. And so you have to imagine, put yourself in this man's shoes. He, he arrived in the city, and I bet lodging was arranged for him. His servants went ahead, and he, he showed up and got a, a night's rest, woke up, ate. He was probably excited, and the next morning he would be there most likely for the 9 a.m. reading and prayer at the temple. He's finally here. He's near the temple. He's walking through the crowds. Perhaps his guards help splitting some of the people, and the outer temple loomed before him. This has to be his first time visiting the temple, and we can kind of pick that up from some clues, but he's encountering the busyness and the people and the buzz that goes around the temple. All these people here to worship, and he's here as well. To worship Yahweh, he was going to get a worship. He had somehow at some point in his life come to faith. And now the temple is split into different layers. In each layer you would go in the temple gates or walls. It was more holy, more exclusive for fewer and fewer people. And he would arrive at this first gate, the, the court of Gentiles. And he's a, he's a foreigner, but he identifies that he believes in Yahweh. And he's converted to Judaism. And he's here, he's made the journey 
to worship. And sadly, that is where his journey would end. Right there, outside the temple. As the court officials and guards would, would talk to him and understand his condition, his life, his circumstances, they would have informed him that under no uncertain terms that eunuchs are forbidden to enter the temple. And you can imagine his heartbreak. I mean, he has traveled, he has sacrificed time, money, traveled all this way. He's come to believe in Yahweh and he is here to worship Yahweh. He had all the money any human on the planet could have wanted. Surely his resources would open the way, but, but they would not budge. They would not allow him in. There is punishable by death at the time. And so the sadness and realization begins to wash over him. All those years ago, they took from him something in his youth that continues to take from him. Decades later, they had stolen from him this opportunity to go in the house of God and worship in the temple. And so heartbroken and disappointed, gutted, you have to imagine, he turned from the temple, his hopes dashed. He told his staff to go pack up because it's time to start the journey home back to Ethiopia. He had probably arrived with such enthusiasm. He was finally going get to wor get to worship. And he's leaving with what could have been a scroll he purchased there at the temple from the prophet Isaiah. And this is where Philip finds him, traveling back home. Back to his homeland, sitting in his chariot, reading the prophet Isaiah. Verse 29, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside, beside the carriage. Now Philip hears the inner prompt of God speaking to him. Philip doesn't know what God wants to do. Philip is obeying one step at a time. Start walking south, got it. He's walking south. He doesn't know where he's going. He's just obeying God. Go walk near the chariot, got it. Now oftentimes, sometimes God will ask us to do some awkward things. And you can imagine just being Philip, walking next to a chariot. This is what God told me to do. Just walking next to a chariot. And guess what? Philip goes over and hears the man reading. As he gets closer, he hears the man reading the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asks, do you understand what you're reading? And here we see a few things about Philip that are important. First of all, Philip listens and hears the prompts of the Holy Spirit. And this is for us perhaps one of the most important and valuable things when it comes to your relationship with God and your spiritual life, period. To hear the voice of God, the prompts of His Spirit. To not be so distracted or, or so consumed with busyness or your life that there's no room for God to speak into your life. There's no room for you to hear Him. That you would have an ear and they would have a question in your heart, God, what is it you would want from me? And you would have your yes ready for whatever he would say. Once Philip hears, he, he, his yes is there and he, he goes. He's on the desert road, yes. Go near the chariot, chariot, yes. Go near the chariot and there he hears the man. Did, do you know what you're reading? Do you understand this? He speaks up. But notice Philip doesn't just start off with a sermon. I mean, he's on a mission from God, right? If you're on a mission from God, you should have a sermon ready. And so you can imagine, like, it, this would be like in our life, someone walks up and says, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with some anxiety. You think that's bad? Hell should make you really anxious. You know, we, we, don't, we don't show up and arrive with those, those things. He has nothing preconceived. In fact, we show, what we see from Philip is he shows up, he meets the person right where they are. Right where they are. This would like be throughout your day going through your life and seeing someone and hearing their struggles and their conversations or their, their circumstances and meeting them right there. 
This would be like seeing the book that a coworker is reading and saying, what, what, what are you getting out of that? Philip meets him right where he is and starts the conversation. He listens up. He steps up and then he speaks out. Do you understand what you're reading? In verse 31, the man replied, how can I understand unless someone instructs me? Like unless someone explains this to me. And he urged Philip, come on, you know, you know something. Come up in here and sit with me. And this is great. What we see here is that God has been directing Philip on this journey. But guess who else God has been directing? This is important to see in our lives. God has been leading this Ethiopian eunuch as well. He's been calling him and drawing his heart towards him. And this is what God does in our lives and those around us. God is at work right now in your life. God is at work right now in, in people around you who don't know him yet, who don't know Jesus. He is drawing people, coworkers, family to Jesus and salvation. He is calling people to himself. And oftentimes, when someone is ready, he will lead that person's journey to come into contact with one of his sons and daughters. You and me, Philip, to have a conversation. And the Ethiopian eunuch is reading from Isaiah. He calls Philip to come in and sit with him. And let's listen along to what he was reading as he tells Philip and asks what this means. And I want you to put on ears to hear and ask yourself, why is it that this specific passage would have reached out and grabbed the heart of this grown man from Ethiopia in his life circumstance? Read that. The passage of scripture I've been reading was this, Isaiah 53. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. And who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Is there any wonder that the eunuch was struck by this, these verses here? These verses would have been haunting to him. Like, like a lamb, innocent, an innocent lamb led before people silent. No voice, no justice before his shearers. Humiliated. Who can speak of his descendants? What descendants would this man ever have? And we see this as he, he's reading this and asking Philip, what is this? Is, who is the prophet speaking of here? Who is the prophet speaking of? Is he speaking of himself? Did this happen to him? Because this, 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 this is haunting to me. This, this is, it says the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or somewhere else? Someone else. In verse 35, so beginning, beginning, with that same scripture, Philip told him the good news, the gospel of Jesus. Again, notice that Philip begins the very place where the man was in his life. He starts where the man is and then works towards Jesus. This is what we're meant to do. When someone is depressed, when someone is talking about their anxiety, we would instead say, oh, can I tell you? Because I've been there. And this may seem strange, but can I tell you what has helped me in my anxiety? But you start there. We love people. We listen to them, and we discuss where they are. Philip meets this man where he's at, and he, we're told he begins to unravel and reveal the story of Jesus, starting right there in Isaiah 53. He talks of Jesus' life, how, how he was the lamb that was led to the slaughter, how he was silent before his shearers, how, how that was Jesus, and how he died and how he was resurrected, and what his offer is to this man. Right there in Isaiah 53. 
Now, the Spirit had been moving in this Ethiopian eunuch's life, drawing him, and this news of Jesus, when he's, he's from the verses he had been reading, it must have been amazing to him. And who knows how long this conversation went on. We don't know what this conversation was like. We just know that Philip was speaking, and this man was listening, and there was probably some back and forth and some prayer. And in verse 36, something has been decided, because read this, as they rode along, they came to some water. They're passing by some water, and the eunuch said, look, Look, there's some water. And this next question, I want you to catch this. Why can't I be baptized? And you have to hear in there something that's that's, that's big to, to him because he's already been rejected. And you know when you've been rejected by God's people, you feel the rejection from God oftentimes. That's how people are wounded by the church. And he goes, why can't I? Is there, is, why can't I be baptized? And in the next verse, Philip answers, he says, well, you, you can get baptized if you go to a six-week class. And based on your, your denomination, we have some discrepancies. We need to know your theological stance on apocalyptic eschatology through Revelation. And once we get that straightened out, we would love to, we would be happy to, you know, if, if you declare for our, our denomination, uh, start tithing, we would love to baptize you. We would love to. Uh, also, uh, this is kind of awkward. You're a eunuch. You have a past that is kind of messed up. It's different, and I don't know if our leadership will really like that, so we need to, do some, we need to clean you up a little bit. Um, we've got a lot of work to do, uh, but if you will just walk with us through this, we would love to baptize you. Is that what happens? No. You see, this man asked what would keep him from being baptized, and Philip let him know that there was nothing. Verse 37, Philip says, you can if you believe with all your heart, and the eunuch replied, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He confesses Jesus with his lips. He's prayed to receive Jesus as his savior. This is salvation. This is what God is calling us to. Like the Ethiopian, God is calling you to declare in your heart and with your mouth, Jesus, you died and rose again, and I place my faith in you. You are the son of God. And in the New Testament, I searched, in the New Testament, there is one qualifier for baptism. It's faith in Jesus. Period. Not comma, nothing else. It's faith in Jesus. It often says they believed and then were baptized. And so the Ethiopian eunuch, he believes this official, and in verse 38, he orders the carriage to stop. Stop everything. And they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. He's in his street clothes. He's in his travel, you know, his sweatpants. He's comfortable, right? He's in his travel clothes. He didn't expect this, but he, he goes down and Philip baptizes him right there. In church, this is following Jesus. We, we come to faith in Jesus, and guess what? Then we begin our spiritual life journey by identifying with him in baptism. Identifying with Jesus in baptism is the first step about his burial, that your, our old life is buried and been resurrected. Baptism is the external declaration of an internal decision. It, it's such a beautiful picture. And, and this official was just told in Jerusalem that he was not accepted because of his past and his present condition. That, that his condition disqualified him. And unfortunately in the church today, there are, this still happens. And there are many people who have tried to come to God and they have learned and entered a church and they have learned and, and gotten that I have to clean up, I have to shave up and, and dress up and get help and, or take a class or renounce friendships and I gotta clean up before I can engage, really. 
And then, then maybe if you look like us and talk like us and vote like us and, and judge like us and all these things, then brother, sister, welcome on in. And Orchard, this is not who we are. This is not who we're going to be. We are called to love God and love people. In this old culture, the Ethiopian, he was from the wrong country. He had the wrong background. He had the, the wrong experience in his past. And it disqualified him from worshiping with God's people. But here today in this church body, may no one ever enter in and feel disappointed because they believe their past disqualifies them from Jesus. Or that their present disqualifies them from Jesus. Here's the truth. Whatever affiliation, whatever orientation, whatever association, whatever connection, love God, love people. Whatever political side of the aisle, love God, love people. Whatever past sins, present sins, and future sins, love God, love people. We, the people of Jesus, we are called to love like Jesus. Now, what am I not saying? We do not endorse sin. We do not endorse people's past, present lifestyle, whatever it is. But Jesus is clear. We are not to keep anyone from salvation in him. I am to lead people to Jesus because he is the one that will cleanse them from their past and present. Not me and not you. My sins aren't endorsed or accepted by God, but his son, Jesus, died for them. And yours. Jesus died for all of us. And he offers salvation to anyone who would come to him. That's why we say in here, it's the, we keep the main thing, the main thing. It is Jesus above all things. And then one of the wildest verses you'll find in the New Testament, catch this, verse 39. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. What? No, like really, what? Isn't that crazy? You got to imagine being, <laughs> being this guy, you're in this, you're in this chariot, this God jumps in, he tells you all about Jesus. Your faith, you place your faith in Jesus. You see water, you get out, you baptize. As you're coming up, the guy's gone. Now, now, first of all, I don't understand all this, but I know that Jesus, after his resurrection, he moved like this, and God obviously moved Philip somewhere else, and, and that's God's stuff. But the Ethiopian, he's left there, and it says he rejoiced. Like, he comes up, Philip disappears, and he's like, whoa! Don't even have to tip him. It's good. Like... I was, like he's been baptized, he's been saving, like it's great, he's just rejoicing. The, the eunuch read Isaiah 53 about Jesus and his sacrifice, believed it, received it, was baptized, gets back into the chariot, and he's accepted. He's accepted. And he dries off with a hallelujah. And, and I, I, I wasn't going to include this part, but this, I have to, this is so, this is, this is the Bible guy in me. I'm sure he's on Isaiah 53, right? He's reading this scroll. And if you keep reading Isaiah, because now he's going to read, he's like, okay, what else is in here? He has a new lens to see the Bible through. He's reading Isaiah 54, Isaiah 55, and he turns to Isaiah 56. He's been saved. He's been baptized. He's traveling down. He's, got this, he's on Isaiah 56. Imagine when he gets to Isaiah 56. Listen to this. Put yourself in his, in his robes. And let no eunuch complain that I am a dry tree. That I will have no family tree. For this is what the Lord says to the eunuch who keeps my ways and who chooses what pleases me and holds fast to my promise to them. I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name. Better than sons and daughters. 
I will give him an everlasting name that will endure forever. He didn't have to ask, who's the prophet talking about here? This is prophetic. I bet he whooped and rejoiced right there in that chariot again. He had discovered the greatest truth ever. That God had given him the temple, but it's not the physical temple. He's the temple of God. He is now the temple of the Holy Spirit, his, his heart. And the prophecy says, I will give the eunuch a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. Well, this is the memorial of baptism. The actual memorial of identifying with death and with Jesus and rebirth. And then a name given better than sons and daughters, the name of Jesus. And a name by which this eunuch is now a son himself of the most high God. And there in Isaiah 56, it says, I will give the eunuch an everlasting name that will endure forever. He endures in heaven to this day. You will worship with him. His name is written, he's, he is in the book of life, and his story is in God's book. And we're preaching about it now. His legacy goes on, and here's the thing. I mean, he, this, this, this lineage of this man has lasted far beyond any children he would ever have. The prophecy fulfilled, and because of him, many have come to Christ. It's amazing, Isaiah 56, and how it just leaps off the page. And I just would have loved to have been there with him as he read that, the promise, of the fulfilling of that. Now, what do we learn from this story today? Well, if you know Jesus as your Savior, for those of you who are like, I get it, I've received Jesus, I've settled that, and you are a follower, I just want to say, you are a Philip to someone. That's the first takeaway. Philip listened for God's Spirit. He, when he heard the prompt, he said Yes. And he obeyed. He stepped up. He spoke up. God loves people far from him so much that he is calling people to himself. And he will bring them into contact with his sons and daughters for a divine moment. And you will be in on that moment. Because you're Philip. There are people that God wants to bring into contact with you. So you can meet them where they are and speak Jesus into their life. That you will have the opportunity he had and I know what you're saying, like, I mean, do you have any idea how awkward that is? Like, I know, I hear you, Daniel, but do you know how awkward? Yeah, I do. Like, walking up to a chariot and walking next to it, just seeing what God has next. I was in a, I was in a coffee shop, and uh, God, I was, I was trying to work on a sermon. He doesn't know I'm busy. I'm working on a sermon, and um, God goes, go, I want you to go pray for that lady. I just felt that. I was like, what? I, this it doesn't happen often, but you go pray for this woman who's at, at the coffee shop. I'm like, oh, I'm busy on, I, I, I'm working on a sermon about saying yes. I don't have time for that. <laughs> go, go pray with that woman. <laughs> Do you know how awkward that is? Hey, here to pray for you. And, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm just feeling this burning. And she stands up and she starts walking. I'm like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> and so I get up and I follow her and I cross Main Street. It's over in Carbondale. I run out of the bonfire and I cross Main Street. I meet her on the side of the road and I go, I go I'm, um, excuse me. And she was like, yeah, did I drop something? I go, no, no, no. I, I feel like I should pray for you. Is there anything going on in your life that I could pray for? And right there on Main Street, she's just broke. <laughs> you see, God had been working in her life the same way that he'd been working in the Ethiopian's life. And he asked me to go be a Philip. And Orchard, there was really awkward moment as I ran over saying, excuse me, excuse me. Listen, on the other side of an awkward moment are sacred moments that God's asking you to step into. And often as we say, give me the destination and make sure it's all okay and then take away my anxiety and then I'll step out in faith. 
And oftentimes he's like, just walk south and then go near the chariot. It's going to be really awkward. And on the other side of the awkward moment is a sacred moment I've been preparing. And, and church, you're going to need some courage and boldness to step out and do this. We can't let awkwardness stop us from the sacred. Because there are people that you live with, that you work with, that you recreate with, who need Jesus and who God is moving in their life and he's positioned you as a Philip in their life to speak into them right where they are and illuminate Jesus. You never know the effect that your actions and words will have on somebody. And that's another point. Jesus is in charge of the results, not you. You're just, you just say yes. Step out and then let him deal with the results. And the results of this when Philip talks to the Ethiopian and then leads him to Jesus and then baptizes him, the Ethiopian goes back home and tells everyone. The ancient historian, Arrhenius, talks about how this is the first Christian missionary to Ethiopia. And in his writings, this historian summarizes Acts 8 and says, this eunuch went back to the regions of Ethiopia to preach what he had himself believed. And later in history, the entire government and nation of Ethiopia converts to what? To Christianity and is claimed to be the first nation following Jesus. And to this day remains a nation where majority of them are Christian with 58 million professed believers. Talk about a legacy, a lineage that goes beyond sons and daughters. Talk about Isaiah 56 fulfilled. This man went back and he, did, he, he became a Philip to somebody else. And that's what happens. You go to the next person. And you never know what God's going to do through them. Because Philip obeyed and spoke up. And step through the awkward moment into a sacred moment and trust to God with the results. Orchard, you are a Philip. Somebody. You have the ears to hear spiritually and the courage to step out. Another thing that stands out is, is God's love. That God loved this Ethiopian gentleman so much. He moved one of the most effective evangelists who was in the biggest city out on this desert road just to talk to him. He moved heaven and earth and time and people to meet with this man. And he moves heaven and earth still to bring people to Jesus. And he's going to move in your life to bring you into the story of other people. And if you're far from God, you need to know he's, bringing, he's moving your story toward him. Because the one matters to God. You matter to God. Your coworkers matter to God. And if you are here today and you feel far from God, if you're here today and you've not resolved this decision about Jesus, you need to know that God loved you so much he moved heaven and earth and sent his son Jesus to die for you so that your sins would not define you any longer, but that his sacrifice would define you. And you can step into the story of this Ethiopian and be saved. He's been drawing you. He's been calling you. For some of you, you're listening to this, watching this, or you're here, and you're like, I don't know why I'm here. This might be why you're here. And perhaps today is the day that you have felt him drawing you like the Ethiopian to follow him into salvation. And so I'm going to pray a prayer today in honor of this gentleman and his lineage and his legacy that he fulfilled, in, uh, he fulfilled Isaiah 56. I'm going to pray a prayer about Jesus. And if you're here and you want to resolve and choose faith in Jesus as your Savior, I want you to pray with me. So Orchard, let's pray. Say, Jesus, I need you. I know you died and rose again. You are the son of God. Take my past. I give you my heart. 
Holy Spirit, fill me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have prayed that prayer today, I want you to email me. It's in the bulletin. It's on the website. I have people email me from last week. I want to talk to you. I want to, I want to learn more about your story. And, and, and I want you to know that when it comes to awkward moments and sacred moments, we had a sacred moment last service because of what God wants to do next. And just like sacred moments, I'm going to step into it, but I will control no results and there's no manipulation, there's no forcing. But our floors are wet because last service, we had four people who said, I will be baptized today. They didn't show up knowing they were getting baptized, but they did. And they got in there in their street clothes and we have sweatpants and sweatshirts over there. They went home in those. But here's the offer to you. I'm not going to manipulate this. I'm not going to force this. But if you have arrived today and you go, and I want to be baptized, there's one qualifier. Do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? There's no class. There's nothing else. Do you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And is this something you've been wanting to do? Have you not been baptized? Have you, have you, are you wanting to be baptized? This is for you. And so as we go into worship, I'm not going to belabor this. We're going to sing the song. And if you would like to be baptized today, you can meet me right over here. And then you will join in the lineage of this Ethiopian who said, there's some water. What do you know? What would keep me from being baptized? Only your fear. Only your pride. Let's worship.